So we're continuing our series, Church Reimagined, in which we're looking at a variety of biblical images to help us understand or to maybe recapture our imagination of how the church or who the church could be in this current cultural moment, how varsity could be that church. This morning's image, I'm a little bit ambivalent about, to be honest, it's the church as a building or as a dwelling, a structure. And the reason I'm ambivalent about it is because most people, that's all they think about the church. They think of it as a building. Uh, so you'll hear people say, I'll meet you at the church, or I'll, I'll, I'm going to church. And what they mean is they're going to a building. And the problem with that image is that it's, so, it, it's such a diminished view of what the church actually is. If that's your whole understanding, the church is, is primarily a, a community of people that seek to worship and love and follow Jesus in the ways of Jesus. And so it's not just a building, but nonetheless, Paul gives us this image in Ephesians chapter 2. And so I I want to unpack it a little bit this morning. So let me read the text, Ephesians chapter 2. I'll be starting in at verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Now, as with any biblical text, there's so much to unpack here. And we could certainly uh, unpack this whole image of building and what it means and the implications of that. But I actually want to laser into something a little bit more fundamental in verse 20 of this text, where Paul says that the church is being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And the reason I want to zero in here is because if we don't get the foundation, if we're building something, a house or a shed even, if we don't get the foundation right, if we don't pay attention to the foundation, the whole structure we're building is going to wobble or even collapse. So I'm by no means a builder, but even I can understand this simple diagram. And you can begin to see that bad foundation leads to a problematic building. And so it's important as we think through the church as a building to think through, well, built on what, though? What's the foundation that the church of Jesus is built on? And in verse 20, the text says, uh, reads here, it's built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So stick with me here, but it's a little bit technical, but there's three ways that this can be interpreted, okay? And I want to just spend a little bit of time here so we, so we get a clarity on what this foundation means, this phrase means. So the first way to understand foundation of apostles and prophets is to say, well, it's the foundation of of these these men and women, these people who are apostles and prophets, and Jesus is the cornerstone. So then the foundation are human leaders, church leaders. That would be one option. A second way to read this is uh, the apostles sort of representative of the New Testament and the prophets of the Old Testament. And so the foundation then is the New and Old Testament or, or Scripture, with Jesus as the cornerstone, and the foundation becomes God's word. A third option is that this is the revelation given to the apostles and prophets, that is, uh, the gospel, 
the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done, that revelation is the foundation, the gospel, the good news, and Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, this matters uh, quite a bit, actually, because if we, again, if we get the foundations, uh, if we build with the wrong material, the whole thing is going to be uh, problematic. And I think we've seen that in the history of the church, even recent history. So the first option with the human leaders being the foundation seems highly unlikely and improbable to me. I mean, if you read the, the biblical narrative, the biblical story, or you look at human history for that matter, surely you can see how frail and fickle and, um, you know, a disaster humanity would be. If, if, and God is unlikely, it seems unlikely that the church would be very strong if it were built on the shoulders of human leaders. It feels really discouraging to me, actually. Uh, if I think the church is built on my shoulders, or perhaps yours. The second option actually is also problematic, even though we probably likely land here thinking that the church is built on the foundation of the scriptures. And I say it's problematic, and let me be clear on this, I am not saying that scripture is problematic or that scripture is unimportant. I'm saying as a foundation to use scripture um, that, uh, to build the church on is problematic. Uh, And here I'm appealing to the history of Israel, the people of God, who had the law and the prophets. They had the scriptures, if you will, and sought to build their lives on there. And if you read their history, it's, it's a disaster. They get it wrong all of the time. They misunderstand, they misinterpret, they fail to obey, all of that. And it's really a messy, muddled history. And if you fast forward the story to the time of Jesus... Jesus confronts a group of people called the Pharisees who were uh, renowned for building their lives on God's laws. And yet, clearly, as Jesus interacts with them, it's obvious to me that something fundamental has been missed by the Pharisees. And Jesus points that out. So to say that the foundation of the church is scripture is actually a little bit problematic, which leads me to think that the third interpretation is the most accurate and the most hopeful, which is the revelation given to the apostles and prophets of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. In other words, the gospel and all of what God has accomplished in Jesus, that forms the foundation of the church. Now, if you, uh, I'm not just making this up, actually. Like, if you were to read the context in in Ephesians, where this text comes from, uh, this plays out. So just if you go a few verses back, well, a couple chapters back in Ephesians, Paul's been writing about the mystery of Christ, that we've been made alive in Christ, and that he is, he's removed the dividing wall between Jew and Gentile and created one new humanity. So he's talking about a reconciled relationship with God and a reconciled relationship with each other. And then he, he goes on to say um, these words in chapter 3. He says, in, re- in reading this then what I've just summarized, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people of other generations, but it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So he uses the same phrase, apostles and prophets, and they are recipients of God's revelation of all that God has done in and through Jesus. And it's hard to imagine a phrase that he uses in verse 5 of chapter 3, five verses after he's used that same phrase in chapter 2, having completely different meanings. So if it means sort of God's 
prophets and, and apostles to whom the revelation's been given here, it probably means it here. And it would be consistent with his argument. And it's consistent actually with what Jesus says to Peter. If you remember uh, Peter when he, uh, in one of his, his better moments, he identifies Jesus as the Messiah, says, you are the Messiah. And Jesus' response to him is, you're correct, Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. And, you know, I guess you, you can spin it out, like the Catholics sort of understand that as Peter being the first pope and, and on and on. I think a different way to read that, and I think, I think a clearer way to read that, is it's upon this confession that you are the Messiah. You, this is who you are, Jesus, and this is what you will do. In other words, the gospel. That's where I will build my church. In another letter still, Paul will write to the Corinthians, and he identifies the foundation as Jesus. And you're thinking, well, okay, it's Jesus and not the gospel. Well, it's, it, Paul's conflating these. Because in 1 Corinthians, the Jesus he's talking about throughout 1 Corinthians, actually, is a crucified Christ. Again, the person of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done through his death and his resurrection, the gospel. This becomes the foundation of the church. This is such good news, and it's critical that we understand this. Uh, why? Well, let me, oh, oh, it, okay, now, okay, it sounds like we've got a live report uh, from our uh, on-site reporter. Hold on. Well, as you can see, we're standing here by the Tower of Dalhousie, at least that's what I'm calling it, and what is remarkable is how quickly this tower has been built, but not so obvious is how long it took to build the foundation of this tower. They easily took six months to lay and pour a solid foundation. So when the tower gets built, it is on a solid foundation, unlike the Leaning Tower of Pisa. So in a hundred years, when the Leaning Tower of Pisa's fallen, the Tower of Dalhousie will still be standing. This is Renus Jansen, VBC News, Calgary. Right, uh, yeah, thanks for that. Uh, so why is it so important uh, that the foundation, we understand the foundation is the gospel, what God has done in and through Jesus. Well, it's for this reason, is because the, the foundation of the church then is a sure foundation. It is solid, it is firm, right? And in this time of social change or even social upheaval, actually, where it can be very bewildering and confusing and all kinds of changes coming at you and you don't understand it all and it's hard to keep up with it all, you can rest secure that the foundation of the church rests in who God is and in, in what God has done. Listen to what uh, God says through the prophet Isaiah on this. He says, The Lord has ex is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion, or the church, with his justice and his righteousness. He, God, will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. And the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Right? So God in these times will be a sure foundation. Friends, this is such, such good news. So the second image in this text, in this verse actually, is Jesus, Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, the image of a cornerstone. Now, in Calgary, we don't really build with cornerstones anymore. I mean, you do see them on some old buildings. Uh, they're largely s sort of ceremonial stones that are about sort of uh, eye height that have an inscription on it. 
Um, but in the Roman times, a cornerstone would have functioned a little bit more like the primary stone that was laid by the builders. And they make sure that that stone is true and it's flat and it's even and pointed, orientated in the right direction. And then the entire building is built in relationship to the cornerstone. The cornerstone becomes uh, what it's sort of the sight line for the entire building. And this image would have been quite familiar to uh, the Ephesians, for instance. And if they were Jewish uh, listeners, they would have been even more familiar with this image because it comes up numerous times in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 28. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. And an even more familiar text from Psalm 118. The stone the builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. And the Lord has done this. It is marvelous in our eyes. And these texts get picked up by numerous New Testament writers. In fact, Jesus picks it up even. And he refers to himself as the, as the cornerstone. And, and the suggestion that people have rejected him and rejected this cornerstone. So this image would have been very, very familiar to uh, Paul's uh, Ephesian audience. Oh, another, okay, we've got another uh, live broadcast coming in, so let me just quickly cut to that. Hold on a second. So we're here at the house of Renus Jansen, a local Calgarian, and he's showing me this small but very beautiful retaining wall that he built. And as he explained the process of building, he said that this stone right here is the cornerstone. And he had to ensure that it was absolutely level so that when he built the rest of the retaining wall relative to the cornerstone, the entire retaining wall would be level. He also admitted that it took him at least four tries to get it right. This is Renus Jansen, VBC News, Calgary. Hey, wait, isn't this, isn't this my house? Hey, how come you guys set me up in my place? Yeah, right. Well, as I was saying, with a cornerstone, the whole building is dependent on it and making sure that it's orientated in a relationship to that cornerstone. I mean, listen to what Paul writes just in the back to the Ephesians text in verses 21 and 22, the tail end of the text that I read to you earlier. In him... Right? In Jesus, in this cornerstone, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, in Jesus, in this cornerstone, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Now, you can imagine the implications for the church, even for the church today. I mean, can you imagine for a moment what the church would look like if when people come um, people who perhaps are bruised or battered or damaged by the life they've been living or the world in which they live, and they come and they enter the church and what they encounter is grace and truth because Jesus is full of grace and truth. And the church is built in relationship to Jesus, right? That Jesus is, is full of grace and truth, the church is full of grace and truth. And we can continue to mine that image for a long, long time. There's so much about who Jesus is. And we ask ourselves, is that reflected in the church? Is the church built in line with that, in line with the cornerstone? So I invite you to think about these things. Uh, Eugene Peterson's translation, The Message, 
has Jesus saying these words in Luke chapter 6. Um, and I love how he phrases this, and it will pick up some of the key words we've been talking about. Jesus, the words of Jesus, and why he says, are you so polite with me? Always saying, yes, sir, and that's right, sir, but never doing a single thing I tell you. The words I speak to you are not mere additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundation words, words to build a life on. Friends, here's where I want to leave you this morning, is just to invite you to consider, are you being built on the foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Is he your cornerstone? Is your life in, built in relationship to that cornerstone? And here I'm imagining your whole life. So I'm imagining thinking, is your work orientated around Jesus and in line with who Jesus is? How about your time and your use of time? How about your relationships? How about your sexuality? How about your money? And I just invite you to think about any one of these things in the coming week or maybe several of them and spend some time before God in prayer and just say, God, is this part of my life built in line with you? Is it in line with the cornerstone? Is it built on the foundation? Being built on the foundation of who Jesus is and what Jesus is doing. And so I just invite you into that prayer space, uh, maybe later this morning or maybe even right now, as we consider this image of God providing and being the sure foundation for the church, the sure foundation for the people of God. Amen.